Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. I'm Sam Keir, host of Hitman for Hire, a year in the life of a franchise cricketer. For the past 12 months, I've been talking to T20 star David Visa, getting his take from behind the scenes at the IPL, the 100, and the rest of the world's biggest leagues. That's the Donnelly View system, deal. There's no <laughs> ways in my mind that was up. These guys don't know how to win at this stage. He had his driver pick him up in his Bentley. People start chanting your name. You kind of have to pinch yourself. Hitman for Hire, a year in the life of a franchise cricketer. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts. Sport Social. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Whether you seek adventure, search for answers, break down barriers, or see the world for what it can be, you're just what we're looking for. CIA is searching for women of all skill sets to join the Directorate of Operations and help protect our nation. Visit cia.gov careers. Welcome back to A Celtic State of Mind. I'm Paul John Dykes and on this Monday bulletin I'm delighted to be joined by Colin Watt and Natasha Mikkel. Welcome back, guys. How are you keeping? Doing good, mate. Superb. It's great to see you after a fantastic weekend of football. Uh, We got the result right in the end. Natasha, were you at the game? Did you enjoy it? Yeah, it's good, isn't it? Um, I think we're going into the game in good form. We've got a good cup record. You're feeling pretty confident. It's a Saturday night, half past five kickoff. You know, everything's sort of falling into place for it to be a, a good game. You know, in saying that, St Mirren were the only team who had taken points off us um, domestically so far, other than, you know, our city rivals. Um, and I think we were really in control. Um, the the scoreline probably did flatter us slightly, um, but overall, good result, good cup time, good to get into the, the next round. What's your thoughts, Natasha, on a 5.30 kickoff on a Saturday night? There was a wee bit of chat in the comments when Lawrence and I we're covering the game. What, what's your take on that? I quite like a half-five kick-off on a Saturday, you know. You, you've you got the, the day you can meet with friends, go into town, have a few drinks if that's what you would like to do, go for lunch, something like that, and then go out and watch Celtic play. I think it's a quite a nice way to spend a Saturday evening anyway. Yeah, brilliant. And now, Colin was very honest when I said to him that we had the post-match press conference with Ange Postacoglu to attend uh, because your reason for not attending, Colin, is that you would fail the sobriety test. So what yep. do you think about Saturday night football? Love it. I absolutely love it, yeah. Fantastic. Um, would you have failed the sobriety test? 
Yes, I would have. Yes. Um, <laughs> mind you, I'd probably still talk some more sense than some in the media, but hey-ho. We'll um, come to that. We definitely will come to that. But yeah, no, I enjoyed that um, kick-off time. Although it is a bit strange heading back out afterwards knowing mm-hmm. that it's already 8 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Colin, uh, last week at the world-famous Gunnock CSC, you were in attendance, as was another Axom contributor in Kevin Graham. Tell us a wee bit about that. It was the Tommy Burns. Was it the third annual Tommy Burns Supper? Yeah, it was our third annual Tommy Burns Supper. Um, so a great occasion. And um, we were delighted to have some of the Burns family in attendance. Uh, we also had the Celtic Foundation um, and that's what we're raising funds for. We're raising funds for the foundation and and um, in memory of Tommy. Um, it's something we started back in uh, 2020, just before the lockdown. And um, we're very, very fortunate that um, we get some fantastic, great guests down. So we had uh, we had Kevin Graham doing some poetry, which went down very, very well. Um, we also had uh, the the lazy idol Andy Ritchie. Um, down telling some stories and as if anybody knows Andy they know that he's never on time he was just the hour and 20 minutes late but he was alright he made that's it impressive time, which was which was pretty good um, and we also had some very poignant words from Archie McPherson um, which was it was very very good there was a lot of money raised on the night we're still counting it in but it looks as if it's going to be a couple of thousand pounds that will be donated to the Celtic Foundation in memory of Tommy and it's a great night. We have um, everyone that turns up always has a great time. Uh, everyone's stuffed after the food, but they still manage to find a way to have many drinks into the wee hours. Um, and the stories told of, of Tommy from people that were clo- near and dear to him um, and having the family alongside, they can see that his legacy continues to live on. And yeah, it's, it's a great occasion and uh, we look forward already to our next one. A great occasion, a great venue, Natasha. Have you ever ventured to the Greenock CSC? Not yet, not yet. Not had the, the invite yet, but I'm sure Colin will, will sort me out and we can go and make a night of it down there. I was just thinking, I've not had an invite for a while, Colin. I used to be a season ticket holder, <laughs> didn't I? Yeah, we got rid of your hammock um, not that long ago that you had in the back, but um, you both of you are always welcome to come down, check out the, the memorabilia, come down to one of the events. Um, we've got Chris Sutton in our company, in a couple of weeks' time, um, which we've sold out, uh, and we look forward to welcoming even more Celtic greats over the next couple of months. Superb. There's loads to discuss. Obviously, we did win the game 5-1. Natasha, you reckon uh, the score probably flattered us, but when we're looking at the actual game, um, and we'll look at the aftermath and some of the comments that's been made as well, but um, we're into the quarterfinals, of course. What did you make of that game? Because I think, to be fair to the opposition, they did um, acquit themselves pretty well up yeah. to that point of the, the kind of penalty decision and the red card, but I thought St Mirren did pretty well against us. I think so too, and I, I compared it slightly to when St Johnston came out and gave it a bit of a go at McDermott Park. It created just a bit more of a game, and that's what we want to see. You know, football fans are going to watch a football game, watch football being played, not someone sit with 11 men behind the ball and try and defend and waste time, and no one wants to see that. And I like that, again, St Mirren didn't come out and do that. I thought... You know, they, they weren't standing back. They weren't watching us play and have the ball. They, you know, they got right in about it. They gave it a good go. They didn't make it comfortable for us, um, which was good because that's how football games should be. But I think for us, I think what the difference was and I think what really killed St Mirren off was our bench and the way we were able to rely on the bench that we had. I mean, even before the game, the team comes out, you're looking at that bench and you just have to say, wow, you know, I can't remember 
a stronger bench than we've seen in the last few weeks. And like we've said before in the show, the players on that bench walk into every other team, you know, starting 11. They're that sort of quality. Mm-hmm. And they were the difference makers for us at the weekend. You know, we were able to rely on that strength and depth. And that really allowed us in a game that we were doing well in. You know, I think we were still relatively in control despite St Mirren, you know, making a real go of it. I still think we felt okay. But what that strength and depth did, the subs that we were able to bring on, really allowed us to get into another gear, drive forward and just put that game to bed. Obviously, you know, assisted by them going down to 10 men, but I think we really managed to step up with the quality we were able to bring on the park. That's the difference, because obviously you get a, a moment of the game, and I'm going to ask you, the uh, penalty and the red card, correct decision for you, Natasha? <sighs> Joe, by the way that the rules are being applied now, I think it is. Yeah, I think it is the correct decision. But all we, all we need is consistency. If we're saying that that is, the real, that is a red card, that is a handball, then fine, let's just apply it in every single game. But what we don't have is that level of consistency yet. Because going into next week, exactly the same incident could happen and it could be play on. I mean, that's the frustration for me, along with the fact that it's just taking so long. If you know what the handball rule is as a referee and you look at that on the screen once, maybe twice, by the end of that, you should be able to determine whether it's a handball or not. Not take five minutes looking at a screen before eventually pointing to the spot because it's just so frustrating from a fan experience and I can only imagine how the players on the pitch feel. But, I mean, we're not going to go on about it again. Well, we maybe are, but um, we really need to sharpen this up. Oh, for sure. Um, Colin, I'm going to come to you and ask you first uh, First of all, do you think it was a penalty and a red card? I, I've got to say at the time, I did think that, that it was going to be both. But then I, I thought to myself, there's no way we're going to get both of those outcomes. I thought they would have given the penalty but not sent them off. But if you're going to go by the letter of the law, I think it was the correct decision. What was your thoughts on that, Colin? Stonewall penalty, Stonewall red card. Mm-hmm. Um, his hand's not there, the ball's in the back of the net. So he's denied a clear and obvious goal-scoring opportunity. Um, some might say it's, it's harsh, the, the fact that um, he maybe doesn't come across as deliberate, but he's not there, then the ball's in the back of the net. So I don't know why it took four minutes for VAR to decide that, but for me, Stonewaller. Stonewaller. Um, and with regards to St Mirren, we could be in a situation, I guess, with the managerial merry-go-round that uh, Robinson is maybe going to be looked at from some of the other sides that are now looking for a manager in uh, Scotland. But you know what you're going to get with St Mirren. You know what you get from a Stephen Robinson team calling. And that's what we got at the weekend again. It was it was refreshing to see them actually coming out and actually having a go at us. Um, so many teams have seen just sort of closes down maybe from their own halfway line but no they actually came out um, their forward line was pushing up um, you saw them kind of closing in on Joe Hart giving us a couple of scares early on um, so yeah it was good to see that and they, they, they tried to make a game of it even their substitutions when they were down to 10 men it wasn't as if they kind of sat in they came out and still got the goal uh, got their goal they got their penalty again penalty that they deserved um, so yeah it was refreshing to see that and it made for a a more interesting game, to be perfectly honest. Um, I'd rather that than see a team come in, just put 10 men on the line and defend it. So credit to them. And um, it's that kind of style of football is the reason why they're in the top six this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, it goes against what uh, Big Yakimakis was saying about Scottish football as well, to be fair. But um, uh, to be honest with you, I think that again, every time he opens his mouth, there's a furore over the, over the comments, Natasha. But I didn't hear much that I disagreed with him, if I'm being honest. 
No, I saw this at a commentary before I heard what he said, and it was all about how he's disrespecting the league and talking down Scottish football. And I thought, okay, let's go and see what he's, he said. And then I listened to it. And as I was listening to it, I thought, he's right. He's not said anything that's particularly wrong here. The league is not that competitive. You do have the top teams and then you have the other teams beneath them and the gap is relatively big in comparison to the league that he's gone to. There's not two front runners there and then the sort of everyone else who also runs. You know, that it's not the same over there. He was comparing the league he's been in, he's comparing the league that he's went to now. He's saying that there isn't that sort of same level of competitiveness where in the league he's in now, they all sort of could beat each other on any given day, more or less. Um, and that doesn't really happen here when we've got the sort of front one and front two pushing away. He doesn't say anything wrong. There is an issue in Scottish football where when the majority of teams come to, to play Celtic, they don't try and play football. They they sit in, they sit behind the ball. It's terrible to watch. It's frustrating. I absolutely get what he was saying. I don't think it was trying to be disrespectful. He was trying to compare the two leagues and he did so relatively accurately, in my opinion. But yeah, the thing is, Paul, you reckon, see, Colin? see if the Scottish League was like the American League we'd all be complaining. We'd be complaining that we're not pushing for titles every single season. Celtic fans are built on the club being successful. When you look at it, I mean, look at the season under Neil Lennon mm-hmm. and how when the results weren't going our way, um, then there was an outcry and there was an outrage. And from us as well, because we do expect success here at the club. So... If you look at the MLS, it changes every year. And it's built that way because that's the way American sport is. The worst team the previous season gets the best player coming through from the, the college system. That's the way it's built on it. So it's meant to be a great reset every year mm. that you can sign the best player that's coming through. And then it's meant to make your team better. So it makes it a competitive sport. You look at the leagues across Europe and it's pretty much the same. You're going to get the odd sort of freak result like we had against St Mirren. But generally, unless you're PSG since the turn of this year, then every team that has the top two, three, four, five, six, they go on and they dominate that league. Very rarely do you see another team coming through and doing that. The only way that it changes is if someone invests a heavy amount of money in the way that the Saudis have done at Newcastle to actually challenge to get into that. Unfortunately, that is the way football is just now. It's a money-based sport. The thing is, though, Colin, and I always go back to this, uh, nobody gave Celtic a bag of money. No, no. You know, Celtic are not entitled to win anything, but they have got the infrastructure in place, which we spoke about last week. Um, even if you look at when Fergus McCann comes in in 94 and use that as kind of ground zero, at that, at that moment in time, Celtic weren't competing anywhere, never mind in Europe. They certainly weren't competing domestically. Um, we had to... Build, rebuild our stadium. We had to put everything in place with regards to trying to stop the 10, and we'll come back to that, or win the one. I've been corrected on saying stop the 10. Um, and then we had to build, and we have built since then. Uh, previous to that, obviously, Celtic were very strong uh, on, on the park, um, if you go back to the golden era, etc. But when it comes to finances, Celtic built up their own finances and built up our own fan base uh, throughout the history of the club. And I think it's easy for people to just say that, you know, it's all right for Celtic because they've got the money, they've got the budgets. But, you know, no one's had a magic wand at Celtic. It's It's been decades of good management that's got us here. But even if you take a look at attendances, Paul, attendances throughout the sort of the, the dry years 
where we weren't winning anything. There was a hardcore element to this fan base, mm. and then it grew and it grew and it grew. And with success, that's what happens. You see these teams that are maybe um, coming through the lower leagues that have a, a good backer, and they maybe start with a couple of hundred, and then the the local community buys into it, and then they start seeing attendances grow and grow and yeah. grow. Yep. So it's it's kind of natural if you look at even the Scottish Premier League. You take a look at the likes of Hearts, Aberdeen, Hibs. If they're doing poorly, their attendances drop dramatically. But when they're doing extremely well, then they start selling out games. They start getting massive attendances at semi-finals, at at finals. Kilmarnock are the biggest ones for it. You take a look at what happened when they were under Stevie Clark. They sold out Rugby Park for the first time in God knows how long. They reduced the allocation for away fans because they were selling out their own stadium. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Success drives the, the, the people there. So, Success and belief, a bit of belief yeah. as well, Colin, because... Stevie Clark, I mean, what is success to a team like Kilmarnock? Well, Stevie Clark gave the community the belief. Uh, you've actually piqued my interest because I was looking on a, a post on Facebook, Natasha, I'll come to your first on this. It was um, a Dundee United supporters club, actually, in, in North East Fife. You are allowed to support another club that's not in your region, by the way, for anyone listening. Um, and they, they had a great chart. I've got to credit them for that. Um, here's some of the bullet points. Scottish football, highest attended league per capita in world football at the moment. Highest average attendance since 1999-2000 in, in the league. Um, 11 of the 12 clubs are now posting an increase on their average attendance based on last season. Um, and then they go on to some Dundee United facts. Strangely enough, it's Rangers whose uh, average attendance is down. Every other club is up, Natasha. So we do have people going about the brand of Scottish football and product of Scottish football. We do have a good product, and there's a huge amount of fans who are investing in it. And I, I think that it will take um, a team to be very brave, and I always expect it to come from the capital, be that Hibs or Hearts, I don't know. Hearts have got ambitions um, to be very brave and they're never going to have the budget in year one, but they can start, Colin's already said this, start tapping into some of that European money, uh, you know, by coming third in the division uh, and then build from there. But it's easy just to say it's all about budgets and Celtic are entitled. We're not. We're not entitled to anything. Um, I mean, I, I use two words every time somebody says you can buy success, Harry Maguire. You can't buy success. <laughs> it's true, Natasha, isn't it? Well, what a brand we actually have. We've got a really good product. We do. Scottish Triple is a great product. Um, I think a lot of people love to give it a hard time, love to slag it off a bit. But I think even there, there's a deep, rooted sense of love for it. I mean, it is very unique 
from in my opinion. I think we do all really enjoy that uniqueness of it. And people in Scotland love their football. We are a nation who do love football and it's great to see attendances going up. It's great to see people going back to games. I think we can probably do more to improve on that by making games more affordable. I think for me, that's the risk in terms of what we're doing here. If we're looking to create the product and grow the product and increase revenue, I get that, but we need to make sure that trying to increase the revenue isn't done at the detriment of fans because if you increase the revenue by increasing ticket sales, these attendances that are going up and up, you know, there is only so much that you can do with that. You know, you can't push fans too far. You think of a family with, you know, two parents, two kids going to a game, that's costing them too much at the moment. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're looking at the prices for, you know, even the cup final, what are the tickets looking at? £44? More than Mm -hmm. that now, some of them? I mean, 44 I think it is. That's ridiculous, you know? You're going to spend the best part of a couple hundred pounds with a cup final. I mean, that... That that for me makes it unaffordable and that is the risk that while we are trying to increase revenue and all the clubs that are trying to increase revenue, I get that, need to make sure that they're not doing it at the detriment of making it unaffordable for the fans who are the ones who are the backbone of the game, who you're not going to have a product if you don't have the fans there supporting it. But going, going back to your point, sort of originally, yes, Scottish football is a great product. We need to market it better. I think that's on the governing bodies more than the clubs themselves. But there is a lot that the clubs can do and it'll be interesting to see where where it goes from here. Yeah, I think it is in spite of the governing bodies, <laughs> Natasha, and often in spite of some of the teams as well, when you see some of the things they do um, in relation to promoting their game. We're going to be talking about the uh, quarterfinals of the Scottish Cup. There is, of course, one other uh, fixture, Darville versus Falkirk tonight, and after that there will be the draw for the quarterfinals. Um, Celtic are in the pot alongside Hearts, Kilmarnock, Rangers, Air, do you think they would have let us score if that happened? I don't think so. Air United, Inverness, Wraith Rovers, and of course Darville or Falkirk. Colin, I'm just going to ask you, who do you fancy in the next round? What what tie do you look at and think oh, I don't quite fancy them? Um, I mean, the obvious ones there. I'd like to knock them out early just so they can um, know that they're not going to be retaining that trophy. But um, a wee trip to Air would be good. I don't know. I, I would. I still at this stage want a home draw for sure. Um, uh, obviously, you've got a five team in there. Uh, a long time since there's been a five club in the the top division. Natasha, any of the fixtures that you think Colin's going to go for Air United? Who do you fancy? Oh, let Darvel get through their tie and then get them to Celtic Park. I think that would be that would be fun. Would be brilliant. Them, I think that would be like brilliant. That yeah, yeah for sure. That. You know, Mick yeah. Kennedy would absolutely love yeah. that. Can you imagine? I think that would be great for everyone. So let's let's hope for that. Apart from, from Falkirk, I suppose. They might exactly. have to do about that. Apologies, Eddie Falkirk fans tuning in. <laughs> um, I think back to the 95 Scottish Cup final where we beat Airdrie 1-0, Van Hoydonk. Uh, first trophy we won in six years, by the way, ladies and gents. It was a, a dark old time. But the, the run-up to that final, and I'm doing this from memory, I'm not looking at the wiki, I'm sure we played um, Meadowbank Thistle and we might even have played Whitehill Welfare, or that could have been a season or two before. We definitely played Meadowbank Thistle. So it was interesting to see one of the wee teams, as you're allowed to call them, coming to the uh, big park. It was Hamden then, unfortunately. And I think we only beat them about 3 nothing. But yeah, I'm I'm with yourself. I want Darville. I think that would be tremendous, and it would be hopefully the end of their fairy tale. I'm saying hopefully. Uh, the games are going to be played on March the 11th um, and we'll find out who Celtic are going to have tonight. Get involved in the comments section. Colin is uh, keeping his eye on the comments. You might see that he's keeping his eye uh, to his right on the comments section coming in because 
we are going to draw the winner of the VIP tickets today. That was uh, the reason that Simon Donnelly and Paul Lambert dropped in for a wee chat last week. Did you enjoy that, Natasha? It's good to see yeah, the boys. Great show, great show. They're both always on good form as well. They're so interesting. You could listen to them all day. I think you guys did excellently as well in terms of the hosting duties. Um, and yeah, just really interesting to to listen to them, some of their stories, some of the things they're saying. And Joe, what amazes me is that the number of times you can listen to guys like Paul Lambert and Simon Donnelly and you still manage to hear something new every time you, you yeah. tune into them because there's new stories, there's new things to tell, there's new angles on it. Um, and, and for me, that's the that's the really interesting part. So it's a, a great listen. And if anyone hasn't listened to it, it's still up on the YouTube channel. So go and check it out. Go and check it out. That, that is the one thing because, um, you know, sometimes they'll say, oh, I'm not sure if I've told this story before. And at that point, you're on the edge of your seat. It's great. Uh, obviously, Colin threw in the, the big question, Colin threw in the grenade about uh, Lambo taking the Aberdeen job. Um, fair play to you, Colin. Uh, that, was a, that was a brave one. But obviously, there's going to be a few jobs. He was, all, he was also linked to the Motherwell job and it's... It's been stated by a source close to Paul Lambert. He's not interested. He doesn't seem interested in taking a job in Scottish football, Colin. Yeah, I don't. I don't really know why, because I wouldn't necessarily say that his his attractiveness to clubs is at its highest just now. I think that Motherwell job is probably um, that's probably something that probably he would do very well at. I think going back to a former club. Um, having that connection with the fan base, uh, I think that's the ideal opportunity for him to get himself back into football. You take a look at some of the managers from his era of management, the likes of Owen Coyle, um, who mm. has dropped down to Queen's Park, um, and they got beat by Morton at the weekend, but we'll not mention that. Eh? Um, but things like that, I think that opportunity is perfect for someone. You've got a wee spot for Morton, haven't you? I'll, I'll, absolutely, especially when they're up against uh, someone that's spending a load of money, um, like Queen's Park, when there's nothing here. But um, have we yeah. not just had that discussion about budgets? <laughs> you got to love the underdog. Everyone it's a good league. Underdog. I'll tell you, it's a very interesting league. But you know, it's top seven or eight. It's interesting. We're talking on the. We've still got the Scottish football team that um, we used to obviously have the the podcast, and we still have the chat. But we're talking yesterday about. Um, Ian McCall being sacked by Partick after the game at Ibrooks yesterday. For me, that was a complete surprise because, yes, okay, they've not been great in the league, but they're only one point off the playoffs. Yeah. So, considering the fact that the, the transfer window's closed, the loan window's closing in a couple of weeks, it just seems the wrong time to get rid of a manager, especially after a, a game like that yesterday. It could totally rejuvenate your season. It could, I. It definitely could. You, you wonder what's going on behind the scenes. Um, what I was going to say earlier is get your comments in. You you normally comment a hell of a lot during the one hour show, but based on one of the comments, there's going to be a winner announced. You won't know who it is till at the end of the show or what the criteria is going to be. Uh, but Colin is keeping his eye on the comments, and someone is going to be selected um, fairly to win the two VIP meet and greet tickets. Can you imagine Larson was part of that event? It's on the twelfth uh, of so May. Yep. At the Armadillo. Uh, imagine meeting him. Oh, I wouldn't I wouldn't mind that myself. Jungle Lion, um, as you regularly do, you're in on the YouTube and just playing them like a fiddle and they, they can't see it. You're talking, obviously, about the narrative that we're having to uh, read about day in, day out in relation to Ange, obviously, leaving the club. We're going to be coming back to that. It's the main strap line on the show today. And hiking and biking Scotland 
Will Ange be linked with the Thistle Well or Aberdeen jobs now? It, it begs the question, Natasha, regarding the merry-go-round. They make these decisions and then you think, where are they going to go next? I know there's going to be a lot of interest in the Aberdeen job. Um, there'll be plenty of people applying, I guess, for the Motherwell job. But where do they go? Because Motherwell, I don't know the exact situation that they're in, but they, they've had two managers this season, Graham Alexander. They've then obviously got rid of uh, Hamill. And you think, the, the deals that they're doing, are they getting paid off or are they actually still getting paid until the end of their contracts? There could, there could be an issue there with regards to budgets. Yeah, I mean, it's not cheap to, to get rid of a manager halfway through the season, depending on what their contract looks like. Um and that can have a negative impact on what they're able to do with their finances over the course of the season. But it just seems to be a little bit up in there at the moment, doesn't it? I have did not expect to see Patrick Thistle do that, especially off the back of, of yesterday. The only thing that you can assume is either something's gone on behind the scenes or it was a decision that was already made with an announcement that they didn't want to put out before the, the cup game. But a very strange one. Unless he's got his eye on one of the other jobs that's free, has there been some sort of discussion around about that? It would surprise me. I don't think he would have been the sort of calibre that any of the sort of vacant positions are looking at at the moment. But like you say, you never know with the merry go round. It'll all settle down eventually and everyone will get a, a seat, if you like, like some sort of musical chairs and then it'll be all up in there again when the music starts. But we shall see. But... The one person that I'm pretty convinced isn't going to take part in this musical chairs is Ange Postacoglu. Um, he's obviously not denied it enough for some people in the press um, not to still have a, a bit of a goal, but I can't see him vacating his chair anytime soon. Well, that's, that is the big talking point. Obviously, we're going to be speaking about the impact of the three players that came on at the weekend, um, Kyogo's injury, of course, but the press narrative, Colin. So, first we had to put up with... Ange to Everton, now it's Ange to Leeds, are we going to get Ange to Southampton, I'm not too sure but he gave a response he was asked the question, he gave a response uh, I think the, the question was pitched to him in a very good way, if I'm being fair to, was it Emma Dodds that asked the question, mm-hmm. yeah. and I think that the way that Ange responded to it was fair enough being put on the spot on live television where the whole mood of that interview was probably at its at its best because Strachan was standing next to him and I've, I've seen people online saying, just give the two of the guys a show because that would be brilliant to listen to. Um, but he basically did respond to the speculation, but it wasn't good enough. As Natasha says, there's a, there's a report this morning uh, in one of the tabloids, and I know people in the comments say, don't read it, but they do have a big platform and they call us paranoid. They say we um, have got conspiracy theories when it comes to football and all that kind of stuff, Colin. I've never read anything so conspiratorial as I did this morning. Uh, apparently the words he used weren't good enough. And, you know, the journalist has actually said, here's the, f- the five words you should have used, Ange. A lot of nonsense. What's your take on that, Colin? Yeah, so <clears throat> this journalist who everybody knows, um, what's his managerial experience? Did, uh, did he take Australia to the Asia Cup? Has uh, he won the league in Scotland? Is he won the league in Japan? Nah, he sits behind a, a laptop and he prints a load of rubbish that you hope that people will pick up the paper and read. And uh, Celtic fans are better than that. They know better See, than to the judgment from that. Yeah. So as great as what it is, um, and uh, what he, he's written, he might get loads of clicks, and he'll be delighted with himself with that. At the end of the day. What he's written down and what's in today's newspaper is tomorrow's fish wrappers. So I wouldn't worry at all about it. Um, 
Anne just came out over the last couple of days and his words he we know what his words have meant. I mean he said how much he loves the club. He then goes on about players that um might not be playing. He was asked the question about that. What about mm. them? How do you keep the squad happy? Uh, and I thought his re- response to that was absolutely superb. Um he said the bit about the flowers because it is Valentine's Day the more I met, and um <laughs> most of us need to think about things like that. He probably meant it though, to be fair. It, it, probably it was a wee reminder to himself to get his wife some, but And the rest um, of us, aye. Yeah, everyone listen out there, a little reminder, well done boys, it's Valentine's Day tomorrow. Well done, Ange. I mean, you know what I mean? He's got he's a master of so many different trades. Those comments, I was impressed with him. He says it's not my role to keep anyone happy, Colin. Going to the second and the third choice player, yep. am I supposed to go around making them cups of tea or buy their wife some flowers? They should be happy with a smile on their face every day because they're doing what they love and represent a fantastic football club. That that kind of chat, Natasha, we have heard it so much from from Ange Postecoglou, but it's not empty words from Ange. I mean, he means it. Mm-hmm. And you've got the journalist today basically saying he's he's not telling the truth. He should have said this. He's not telling the truth about why John Kennedy took the press conference last week. That's basically what's being written in the paper today. A nonsense. I think Ange must be absolutely, if he cared, which I don't think he does, but I think he would be pulling his hair out if he did because from the very, very start, he has only ever been transparent, open and honest with the Celtic fans. And I think he sees his key audience, the people he needs to communicate with, are the Celtic fans. He does that through the press because that's the way it works. I don't think he would deal with the press otherwise. But he needs to communicate to Celtic fans and he's always, always, always been open, honest and transparent with us. And we appreciate that from him because I think he has been that. And his message hasn't changed. His, you know, his output hasn't changed. He is who he is. He says what he is. We all recognise that within him. And that's why I think when the question was put to him at, at the weekend about the potential links with other jobs. The question at one point, I think, was, well, what's your message for the Celtic fans? And he said, well, I don't need to give the fans a message. And I actually do, to an extent, agree with that because he's never stopped speaking to us since he got here. You know, we know him. We know his values. We know his morals. We know why he's here. We know what he's planning on doing. He's told us all about that. So the fact that he's told us all that means that he doesn't actually need to tell us that he's not going anywhere because he's established all that by everything that he's done and everything he's said so far. So we don't need a message from him. We know what he's doing. We trust him. He's here to, you know, he's halfway through a project. He's still building. Um, He's not going anywhere and he doesn't need to keep reiterating that because people in the press like to link him with jobs. You know, he he doesn't need to. That's the thing, Paul. I mean, he's, he's been asked... I don't know how many times about his contract status at Celtic. And every time he just says, I've got a job and I'm here and I'm doing my job and I wake up every day and I'm the Celtic manager. What more does he need to say? It's not as if this is something new to him. He gets asked these boring questions time and time and time again. You go on every press conference that he's been on and someone will ask him about the next team he's coming up against or what he thinks of Scottish football or what, what's happening with his players or about his contract situation. No wonder he decided that, you know what, I'll put John Kennedy in front of the press because he, he could just record himself and play a tape for the press every week. That's the stage that he's getting to. I've said this before and I stick by it. For this for this position that he's in just now, as the manager of Celtic Football Club, he is invested in the club, but at the end of the day, it's just a job. He will work is five, six days a week and then on the seventh day he'll go and he'll have family time. He spoke about it last year. 
He takes his kids to the cinema, he goes out for a meal. People have seen him out and about. And that is probably one of the reasons why he will continue to be the Celtic manager for however long it is, because he doesn't get caught up in all of this. Yeah. He doesn't get... We talk about this fishbowl that is Scottish football. He can switch off. He has the ability to switch away from it, as you say, Mm -hmm. switch off. And if he didn't, you see what happens to some managers that don't. You take a look at when they joined and when they leave, and they look as if they've aged 10 years. For Ange, he's just... He's very, very smart and he's very clever. He knows how to handle the press because he's done it for years and he's had tougher press than what he's getting in Scotland. And he's had that many roles that he knows how to get the right work-life balance. So as long as these... I mean, there will be a time when Angel leaves Celtic. It's inevitable. But just now, when he's in the middle of a job, his focus is on the next transfer window, is on next season. All these links is, is is nice to be linked to other jobs, and players will say it's nice to be linked to bigger clubs. But your focus remains until the time that comes, or you decide, or you're forced to decide that you're no longer able to do the job that you're doing. Yeah, Kenny Dalglish came out and spoke about it as well. Uh, he seemed as though uh, got to the point where he, he says, like Colin said the other now, he must be getting really bored with the tedious line of questioning. Um, aren't the journalists meant to be talking up the game? You know, maybe the best talent wants to stay here a wee while longer rather than every single time there's a, a decent success at Celtic, be that a player or a manager, you're talking them out the door to go down to England. Talk up your own game. We've just been mm-hmm. speaking about how good a brand it can be. Um, but the media is a big part of that. And all I hear is, yeah, there's a there's a humour, there's a tongue-in-cheek element to it. But all I hear is fan media talking up Scottish football, mm-hmm. not just Celtic fan media, because as Scott, uh, Colin says, we've got the Scottish, Scottish football group um, Aberdeen fans and Hearts fans, Hibs fans, etc. And they all do shows, Colin, and they are all talking up the game, but everything I read in the media seems to be uh, doom and gloom and negativity. Um, so, yeah, I agree. He's going nowhere. Sending short afternoon troops from a sunny Costa del Brum. Hail, hail, and a hail, hail to you as well, Lord. Uh, Lord? There's no lords Whoa, on this show. Lloyd, there's no lords on this show. I'm still thinking about Queen's Park. We'd be more than happy with more half five kickoffs on a Saturday. Plus, Rio Atati is a fantastic footballer. That leads us on uh, to the, the changes and the impact made because obviously Ange was talking uh, about the the players coming in and him keeping them happy, etc. Uh, but what you've got there is a situation where there is no complacency, I think. So, Abogad's agent was making noises about game time. He's out the building. Uh, Yakamakis apparently was unhappy with the lack of game time. He's no longer at the club. You've got Hitati, O'Reilly and O uh, coming on and all scoring goals. Yeah, it gives a great depth in the squad. You're confident every game you go into. Um, but this, this is for me, is as competitive a squad as I can remember seeing at Celtic Park, Natasha. And when you think that he's not only built up the strong start 11, he's also got that five or six players, maybe even more, on the bench who you can call on and, and still regard them as first picks. Yeah, the, the strength and depth is as strong as I can remember um, in a long, long time anyway. I think it's absolutely fantastic. And this five-sub rule that's been introduced has certainly helped us because of our strength and depth. We are able to utilise so many quality players across the course of the game. And like we've touched on before... Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. 
keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home Internet. Cox is the real home Internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. This week on the Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct to consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Imagine being the opposition and getting to, to 60 minutes and looking over to the touchline and seeing Celtic bring on the players that we can bring on at, at that time. And it's good for, for us as a squad as well. It's good for the competitiveness. Players know they're fighting for their positions because there is such quality coming in behind them. You know, players like O'Reilly. It's good because you can see it is pushing them on. It's pushing them to be better. They know they've got to fight for their starts. Or very soon they'll actually be trying to fight for it back because they'll have lost it to someone else. And the competitiveness for positions can only be good for the, the squad as a whole. We saw... Um, O'Reilly, has, his performance levels perhaps slightly dropped at the same time as Moyes were on the ascendancy. So then Moyes starts to become your regular starter. And that gives O'Reilly the kick on he needs to know that when he comes in and gets his shot, he's trying to fight for that shirt back. And I think it's just improving all of them. And, and you can see that in terms of the performances. Again, Hatati dropped out at the weekend. And when he came on, he knew that he wanted... I don't feel like he was particularly dropped for performance reasons, but more to give Turnbull some some minutes that he's probably earned by his sub-appearances. And it's just that cyclical thing that so when Hitati knows that when he's coming on as a sub, he needs to make sure his game levels are particularly high to make sure that he's the one starting the, the next game. And it's good to see the way it's driving them all on. The, the one that probably disappointed me at the weekend, um, at the ones that we mentioned, was, was Turnbull. Again, I thought it was good to see him get his chance because when he has come on as, as a sub, he's... He's looked good. He's looked like, you know, he probably deserves a start. He got his start. I think he was just slightly off the level of the other guys round about him who are also vying for that position. I think we talk about strength and depth. We talk about competitiveness. Probably no more so than that position. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think Turnbull was slightly off the level we needed. Our game relies on being really quick, fast on the ball, the quick passes. And I think his mental process throughout the game just slowed us down a little bit. Um, so slightly disappointed for him that he didn't take his chance um, when he got the start and then Hitati comes in and plays like he does, doesn't he? And I thought he was just next level again. Um, so it must be it must be hard for, for Turnbull to know that you're probably not taking your chance quite as well as you should have and to see a guy like Hitati coming on and absolutely, you know, knock it out of the park. So, but we're talking individually there. For a fan, for a squad as a whole, this can only be positive. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the the levels um, of Hitati, for example, like, like you said, were uh, stepped up. And I think, Colin, that's exactly why you've got those five or six players sitting on a bench that could step in at any time. It's to keep everybody on their toes. We spoke about the effect of bringing in another left back and the effect that that had on Greg Taylor. I don't think it was the sole reason why Taylor's performances improved because he was already playing well. Left back for Celtic, he'd taken that position um, and made it his own. 
But when you look at Hatati coming on and the way that he's played, um, yeah, I, I do feel a wee bit for Turnbull, but it was noticeable that the the actual tempo, the one you know, the one touch passing movements, um, at, you know, they did increase and they were better once Turnbull was was taken off for Hatati. How impressed were you with the with the three and how good was it to see O'Reilly getting his goal? Yeah, O'Reilly's needed that all season. He's absolutely needed it. Um, and the thing is. Yeah, I agree with Natasha. Turnbull wasn't up to the standard that we can expect. But I think I think a lot of that's down to the standard that's been set by the players in front of them as well. Because when we see the likes of Moy stepping in, um, when Hitati plays, then that standard's kind of set here. And David Turnbull was maybe 10 15% below that, but normally you'd be able to get away with that. Because we accept sometimes that when players come off the bench, they're not of the quality of the the player that they're replacing. You think about even right up until maybe last season, you would see Kyogo go off and maybe a Yeti come on and you're going, right, well, we have kind of dropped here. We are maybe changing something up. A Yeti might still score because he might be a good player, but he's not as good as the player that's coming off. Now you're looking at it and you're going, the players coming off the bench are every bit as good as the players that are starting. Yeah. So that quality isn't dropping. And if Turnbull's not having a good game, it's not to say he's a bad player, but he just didn't have a good game in that particular match. So then someone comes off the bench, has a great game, then they might start the following week, and then Turnbull might come off the bench and score again. It's just the way, as you said, this depth in squad, the level is not changing at all. We're continuing to put quality on, at, at no loss, you look at O coming off the bench, took his goal very, very well. It's a sort of poacher's finish, and it's good to see somebody in around that area. How many times have we seen a ball this season flying across the box and nobody's got on the end of it? Then maybe he'll be that guy to get in those positions. Uh, we see Abada coming off the bench, he had a great performance. O'Reilly as well. It's, as Ange says, it's not about keeping the players in the squad happy. They'll be happy, and when they do training and they do well, they'll go on the park. Anybody that's got a complaint about their lack of game time needs to take a look at themselves and not the manager. Yeah, or they won't be there. And I think that the couple of examples we used are, are probably um, good examples to, to kind of set that standard and set the rules because uh, Abelgard making his mouth go via his agent and he's away. Uh, and and by the way, I don't think Jens did, but obviously the decision was made to to let him go because he wasn't. Nobody's guaranteed again at, at Celtic. I think the the one exception that we've said previously is McGregor for obvious reasons. But you've got a nucleus of guys you would expect to play most weeks, and then half that team could be interchangeable. Colin, I think the difference with Jens there was he's here on loan. He needs a permanent home to go to. He had to come in and impress, and if he wasn't getting and the opportunities at Celtic, you can tell from his words that he loved his time here, but he needs to be playing all the time mm-hmm. to try and get a move because he knows if he goes back to his own club, then he's not going to get a, a game there either. So I can understand that. Abogard, his circumstances were slightly different because of what's going on in the world just now. Um, but players like Jack and Marcus, yeah, they're at the age where they want to be playing every week, but he's got to remember as well, that you've got to live up to those performances. He's got to, he's going to need to go to Atlanta United and score a barrel load of goals. Otherwise, he'll be dropped there as well. How ironic was it? Few, I know. 
it's not as if he's just going to continue to go over there and he's just going to be number one choice because he's now their designated player. All you have to do is take a look at Patrick Klamala. Patrick Klamala's left there. He's yes, left he MLS, knows. he's away back to Europe. Mm-hmm. It happens in players' career. If you're good enough, you get picked up by another team, yes. But you've got to put the performances in. Otherwise, you have to agree that you've been part of the squad and you've got to put the effort in and training to prove that that jersey's yours. And I'd much rather have a squad like that than just having players on the bench making up numbers. Nah, because it's been like that for so long. Uh, Stevie Kenny, really liking the cut of O's jib. Looks like a baller and a right hand for once fully up to speed. I think he's going to be a, an excellent buy. Uh, I wasn't. It wasn't a red card, extremely harsh, says it underwater cabbage salesman. Uh, Colin's already had his say on that. And it was a penalty all day long, says Jay McKelvey. Keep the comments coming in. Colin's keeping an eye on them because we are going to be, uh, in fact, Colin is going to be picking out a winner for the two VIP meet and greets. Um, celebrating goals in real time is a thing of the past, JP. I do fear if we don't get a handle on the, the VAR, that is going to be the, the case. And Billy Subs Grant prevented a goal red card. So everybody disagreeing, which is good, in the comments section. But I was just going to say there, Natasha, how ironic it is that Yakamakis isn't getting a game, then Kyogo gets injured. Now, we're hoping that it's a minor injury. It was a precaution, I think. Uh, we, we say yesterday you'll be getting a scan today and we'll find out more. But when you look at last season, Kyogo missed 25 games last season through injury. So mm-hmm. if you're Yakamakis, you're basically just waiting for that moment uh, where the jersey's yours and you make it yours. Uh, he wasn't prepared to hang around. I think we've got an O, if necessary, someone who's going to be an able replacement. I certainly hope so. Um, when you see a striker who scored 22 goals for you this season go down and and not able to, to shake it off, you do have a, a bit of a sense of, of panic, but it seems to be a, a precaution. But like you touched on, it does flag up the issue we have in terms of having let Giacomacus go, if anything serious does happen to Kyogo. We're relying on O as our only striker. And yes, while he's looked good, he's looked sharp, he's only played something, you know, something like 40 minutes in total so far. And you don't really want to be relying on a guy who's been in the door for, for two minutes to, to lead your line for the rest of the, the season. Yeah. I know Maeda could play through the middle, but again, a club with our resource shouldn't be relying on playing someone out of their national position in a position so important as your, your centre forward. So I think um, Kyogo going down there probably did flag that we're, we're a little light up top. Thankfully, seems to be okay. And it was fantastic to see all coming on and, and looking so good. Um, I think he looks really strong. I like the way he's holding the ball up. Um, but equally, in a way that's probably different, something that Jack Marcus uh, offered, I think he looks quite quite skillful with his footwork. He looks quite quite fast. He looks quite agile. Um, so it's good that we've got that while still having you know quite a different option to Kyogo in terms of this physical presence up top. Um, but I certainly wouldn't want to to lose Kyogo through injury and, and be only relying on him. I think he's going to be a great asset for us, but let's hope there is nothing too serious for Kyogo and as a precaution. That, what you said there about the skill, when he wins the free kick last week, mm-hmm. and obviously uh, Matt O'Reilly plays it and, and it's another goal, that, that was tremendous close ball control that he, that he displayed prior to winning the free kick. So I get exactly what you mean there. I think he has got attributes to his game uh, that we're going to see flourish, and I hope we do, uh, but not because of the injury to Kyogo. Colin, sorry, I, I cut you off. Yeah, no, I was, I was just about to say, this is the reason why I said we should have brought in someone else in January. I still think we should have went for a, another striker. Yes, I think Maeda can play 
through the middle. He has shown that, but he's also not someone who's going to get the sort of goals that Kyogo gets. He's not a natural finisher in that element. Yes, he did well to get his goal at the weekend, um, but I can't remember him having many other chances apart from that. Uh, there's one I thought he should have scored, and it turned out when I watched it on the replay, it was actually the defender that put it off the post. Um, but he's not someone who's going to create the same sort of chances that Kyogo does. Um, oh, the question for me is how fit is Oh, Because when Kyogo went down and he came off, it was a badder that came on. And to me, does that say that there wasn't the 65 whatever minutes it was in all to play that game? And if so, when we've got the game up against Aberdeen on Saturday, does that mean that he won't lead the line? Um, or was it just that we wanted to change it and we made Maeda um, or gave Maeda the opportunity to show what he could do? For me, I, I do prefer Maeda in those wider positions. I think he has the, the joy of running at the, the full-backs and I think that his crossing is certainly improving week on week. Um we, we keep saying that we didn't bring in a third striker because you can play a badder, you can play Maeda through there. I would still like to have had that third striker, to be perfectly honest. And looking at the, the sort of celebrations after the match, the fact that Kyogo was still out there trying to do this sort of jump around, then I'm hoping that it's not too serious and that it'll be okay. And we saw what happened the last time. We wanted to be back in training on the Monday, but look, it's going to take as long as it's going to take, but I think this is maybe one thing where we could have improved on in January. What is a quick healer, says Ange Borsacoglu, Natasha. If he needs rested against Aberdeen, do you start with the new arrival, O? I'd like to, if he was fit enough. Um, I don't think he's played a lot of football over the, the winter period. Um, and by the time he got to us, I don't think he was he was fully fit. And I think he might still be struggling with that slightly. Um if he is fully fit, I'd love to see him start, even if he can get to 60 minutes. I'd still like to see him start because I like seeing players play in their, their natural position. And like Colin said, Maeda is better out wide. Um, so unless Kyogo is unable to make it, then yeah, I'd like to to see O start. And like Colin touched on as well, I think he's got that you know really instinctive striker feel about him. You just have to look when McGregor hits that initial shot. You know, He's poised for the rebound. He's ready yeah. to get in there, get in among it, get the goal. And it was that sort of instinct that, that got him that goal essentially um, and that's what I like about him and I'm looking forward to seeing more of that There's the sort of one player that we've not really touched on yet Paul and he's another option that could come in there and that's Said Haksabanovic yeah. Um, yeah. He's someone who was looking really good before the World Cup mm-hmm. and we haven't really seen a lot of him since then um, and it would be interesting to see maybe if you go with Maeda at the weekend um, and it's not a bad evening, and it's Haksabanovic. What could he do? I mean, Jota's almost guaranteed his jersey because he's playing very well at the minute. Uh, I thought he, he still had a good game um, on Saturday. But Haksabanovic is someone who, before the, the Christmas break, you're almost saying he's he's worked himself into being first choice. Ever since then, he's just not got into it. I don't know Dundee if he's United up an scored a double against Sunday United. Didn't yeah, he? I don't know if he's picked yep. up an injury or something in that time, but. I he like was ill. I think he, he was hit with the illness. Yeah. You remember the virus, Colin? Yep. Yeah, yeah. I think he was hit with that. But um, yeah, a lot of people talking about a comment coming in from Soul Biscuits. Here we go. Got to bring this up. Negativity sells papers. Positivity wins trebles. There you go. I think okay. that's it in a nutshell. Um, yeah. How unusual is it, Natasha, that we're winning 5-1, yet one of the best, if not the best player on the park was your centre-half, Carter mm, Vickers. Absolutely. What a performance. And we actually ran a show probably... 
two months ago now, where we said, is Carter Vickers the best centre-half we've had since Virgil van Dijk? We, we posed the question, and I can't think of a better since van Dijk. I'm not saying he's no. better than van Dijk. We've not had a better centre-half since van Dijk at the club, have we? No, absolutely not. I think he's absolutely tremendous this season, and that was really apparent again at the weekend. You know, like you said, we won 5-1, and for me, he was probably our best player. Um, I thought he was absolutely outstanding. I think back to that block in the first half. Um, that was for me. That's a goal-saving block. That sort of one. Um, and at one 0 that changes the game if that goes in. Um, yeah. And if you know it was a a goal or a great save, it gets talked about and probably gets a little bit more credit than if it's just a defender making a block. But for me, it was just as important. Um, so yeah, I thought he he was absolutely solid as he usually is. Um, you know, you have to remember as much as the scoreline does say what it says, St Mirren really came at us for a lot of that first 60 minutes in particular you know, they were aggressive, they were in their faces they were trying to get up against the centre halves and Carter Vickers stood up and didn't put a, a foot wrong I think, you know, we can also mention Starfelt as well, he often gets overlooked out of yeah. the two, he gets a bit of criticism he's equally important to the pairing because Carter Vickers can play the way he does because he has this partnership with Starfield that he can rely on, he trusts him, he knows him and he allows him the freedom to play his game because he can trust Starfield as well and yes for me Carter Vickers is the stronger out of the two um, but I think you know Starfield does deserve a bit of credit as well The thing is Paul, when, when I had a chance to be on the, the press conference with Ange a couple of weeks ago one of the questions I asked him was about the defence and about having whether that having that solid defence is a cornerstone to allow him to play the style of football he wants to play. And he said that his focus wasn't on that. His focus was on basically playing that attacking style of football, regardless of who was playing there. Yeah. But the fact is, we're looking at two players in that defence who, if it comes to the end of the year and they're not on the player of the list, the player of the year shortlist, I'll be massively surprised in Greg Taylor and Cameron Carter Vickers. Mm-hmm. We're not well, you'd expect someone like Kyogo or Jota to be on it as well, but if Taylor and Cameron Carter-Vickers aren't there, it would be a travesty. See, the thing that, that Anne said there, and I'm, I'm not going to go all mainstream journalist here and say that he didn't mean what he was saying, but that is a big difference between Angie's team and Tommy Bonzi's team, right? And um, as you'll know, if you've watched this for any length of time, that was my first season ticket. It was 94-95, Tommy Bonzi's team was in its infancy. It was his first term. But the team that he built was so entertaining to watch. And you speak to a lot of Celtic fans now who still cite it as the best team that they've seen in terms of entertainment. They won one trophy. But the big difference between Burnsy's side and Angie's side is we've got a defence and we've got a goalie, which was always my big criticism with Tommy Burnsy's side. We never had a decent keeper. Um, but he does. He has a brilliant defence. with That partnership between Carter Vickers and Starfelt, Starfelt's always going to get a bit of a bit of stick but that's fine because they've got a great partnership and then you look at the fullbacks as well Johnson has just you know mm-hmm. slotted in seamlessly Taylor's in the form of his life and you've got the people behind him as well who Kobayashi you know I look forward to seeing more of him um, and Joe Hart at the back just being influential as ever uh, Gary Melrose also liked that comment from Soul Biscuits negativity sells papers positivity wins trebles you win the internet for today mate brilliant comment uh, Lanky reckons that Colin should be given uh, Soul Biscuits the prize for the comment but it's a numbers game it's all about 
the magic number, and of course, uh, the magic number was a song by Dela Soul. And today we heard that uh, David Jude Jolicoeur died. He passed away, actually, um, who was a member of that seminal band. Colin, how are we going to decide on the winner of the VIP tickets for the Armadillo in May? So one of our guests on Thursday was obviously Paul Lambert. And in honour of Paul, then we have to do something that is relatable to him. So if you remember, in fact, we'll test Natasha here. We go back to the old Friday night quizzes we used to have, right? So Natasha, which number did Paul wear that day? 14. Paul? Is it the, so you talking about the day we won the league or the day he scored against Rangers? Sorry, sorry, the day he scored against Rangers. Right, oh. I would have said that, but I'd put a wee graphic together last week and I noticed he was actually wearing number 10. Oh, hi. So the squad numbers hadn't come in at that point. Interesting, that's good, good fact. Mm. So yeah. do you remember which minute he scored that goal in against Rangers, that famous Thunderbolt? I do, Colin, will I give you that? I think they would remember is it minute number 84 Paul that was a good effort I'm going to say 85 it was 85 oh, and well in honour of the thunderbolt from Mr Paul Lambert we have went with the 85th comment of today's show and Paul can you reveal who our winner is well I don't have a clue Colin because you're doing the counting but just oh, before you just mean. before you reveal it just before mean. you reveal it can I can I qualify this right by saying that um it's very difficult because we've now got almost 20,700 subscribers to put everybody into a situation where you go into a um unless you're watching this you go into some kind of draw and the reason for that is there's no way of contacting your subscribers on YouTube directly so we took a decision today and if you want to complain about it fair enough um that it will be someone who is commenting today because if you're commenting today you are a subscriber because it's the, the comments have been switched on to subscriber comments only. So a subscriber will win the prize. Colin, did you do the count? I did do the count. I mean, Good man. And very much like all the Trump fans said, I stopped the count at 85. Um, and today's winner is... is Brass Neck. And here's his comment. Rangers have been winning games, but they're no better under the mole. Celtic, if we show up, could seriously rip them apart. The gap in quality is massive. Well, congratulations, Brass Neck. Um, please do get in touch with Paul and he'll um, sort you out with the tickets. And I hope that you're absolutely spot on. And in two weeks' time, we'll be on this show talking about how big the gap was in the League Cup final. Colin, um, I'm not sure. You can maybe clarify this when you get in touch. Uh, Brass Neck was a character in which famous comic that all the kids used to buy? Bino. Dandy, sorry, uh, you were wrong. seeing how you, you started bringing in the quiz into uh, the bulletin today. Now, Brassneck, what you need to do, get in touch with us. We're on all the socials. You can contact me directly at pauljohndykes at gmail.com to get your prize two VIP meet and greet tickets. Natasha, do you fancy that? Absolutely. That sounds like it's going to be a fantastic night. Um, so if you've not been lucky enough to win today, I'd definitely try and make sure you were getting yourself along to that. Absolutely. Ticket link is under the video. Before we go, though, uh, we need an update on how Fran Alonso's side are doing. Natasha, over to you. Yeah, of course. It was um, Cup weekend this weekend. So Celtic were uh, up against lower league opposition Borough Muir and played along at Meadow Bank. Um, a good victory for the girls. They they ran out 5-0 winners in the end. Um, 
strong favourites going into it, given the, the difference in league positions um, with Birmingham being uh, a league below Celtic. But it was a great performance in any event. Um, the girls were, were strong, some good goals, and that takes them through to the next round. And one thing that's good is seeing that the draw is going to be made at the same time as the men's draw. Oh. Um, so when the, the draw is made tonight for the next round of the, the men's cup, it's also then going to be made for the next round of the women's cup as well, which is a, a positive step forward. So look forward to seeing who we, we get in the next round. Obviously, back to domestic duties after that. And the next game is the big one next Friday night. Um, Celtic will be taking on Rangers at home at the Excelsior Stadium. A half past seven Friday night kickoff. Um, at the Excelsior, if anyone fancies kicking their weekend off with that. Um, and it could shape up to be a very good derby weekend. In terms of league positions, the girls are still sitting in second, three points behind Glasgow City, a point clear of Rangers. So it'd be nice to increase that gap on them with a, a win on next Friday night. So let's let's hope for, for that one on the, the 24th. Yeah, and a full debut, I believe, for our new American signing, Hannah Kerner. Kerner, yes. Um, who we had the the pleasure of being part of our press conference, which you can see on the channel as well. So uh, good to see the, the women's team doing very well. Uh, and also the B team did well at the weekend as mm-hmm. well, Paul. Uh, a 3-0 victory for them over Bonus. Uh, and that Lowland League, by the way, is very, very interesting. I think there's only maybe three or four points between the top five teams. So one to check out. Absolutely. Now, one final comment. Uh, Mark Tyler comes in. The media have the fear another decade of success and they know it going to take more than a few words to derail the Ange Express I do believe that you know if uh, Celtic retain the title this season it could be a decade of success and a wee reminder Brass Neck you are the winner of the two VIP tickets to go to the Armadillo on the 12th of May will we have any other special guests from that particular team in the next couple of weeks Colin we may well have and you know what we went this whole hour and I have to bring it up because, it, for me, it was one of the highlights of Saturday. Bravo to the Green Brigade for that banner. Well, I thought you ought to keep uh, politics out of football, but when the politician is on the line, it seems to be all right. Um, I, I mean, obviously, <laughs> watching the banner going up, I knew that they're going to get stick. They're not going to get any stick from me for that. Um, but it does beg the question, you know, why Why do we have politicians running the line or officiating at Scottish football games? It's Let's have full-time... Job, He's got to feed a family. He's got five or six jobs, you know? Full-time refs, that's what we need. Um, their other occupations shouldn't come into it, but when it is... Uh, what it is, the Green Brigade stood up, stepped up, and um, I can't disagree with any of that. Uh, obviously, the club and the Green Brigade are coming in for the usual criticism, as they always seem to do. But uh, I think you're, you're more offended by a banner than what his party are doing to the country than the problems on you. Nail on head. That's the way to finish your bulletin on a Monday. Thanks, everybody, for getting involved. And if you haven't subscribed already, please do so on the YouTube channel. Loads coming up. And thank you once again, Colin Watt and Natasha Miko, for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind.
Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Sports Social Podcast Network.